Please hold for Armchair Adventurer. That's not the kind of podcast we are. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good enough. <laughs> um. <clears throat> this episode is brought to you by Yards Brewing Company in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I Gross. hope you're confident about that because that's going in. Uh, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Something I realized... And I don't know if it, does it matter that we never say our names? Does it is that fine? I think we kind of sporadically point, do. I, I mean, we like do that. we refer to each other throughout the episode, but I also don't want to be like you're, well, I'm Kane Smith and uh, you're right, but, Kane. Um, maybe we should. What do you think, Dan? Greg? <laughs> <laughs> um, there you go. All right, next. Perfect. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm Kane, aka the Hot Stepper. Oh Jesus! Oh, yikes! J- joining me to my right is. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't come up with some sort of superlative for myself. <laughs> like uh, that's the cue. No, you got it. Greg's on the research desk. We all know. Greg this. is the research oh, yeah. goblin. <laughs> okay, I'm not okay with goblin. <laughs> okay. Goblin, and Greg. I guess while we're while we're doing housekeeping, I want to apologize. I noticed. Apologizing. Shut up. Uh, I noticed while I was editing the last episode and I'm going to try to consciously attack this I when I'm describing something I use the word like way too much it was like I shit I just (laughs) can't write down it was as if (laughs) right there I mean humans I I think I was it was I'm trying real hard here it was a sentence that wasn't very long, and I said like I think six times, <laughs> trying to get just one sentence out. <laughs> so we'll work on that. <clears throat> but well, well, it wasn't noticeable. Good. Yeah, I guess it's when I'm pouring through the audio, hyper analyzing everything, trying to. I was gonna say that's a bad way to. <laughs> yeah. You over analyze. Yeah, over analyze ever literally every word. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Pick it apart, your past speech. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, we are today doing another thing pretty similar to last week where it's going to be more of a, a shotgun blast of topics as opposed to one monolithic topic, but this one is a little more vignettes than uh, <laughs> uh, Dan's travel through the time. <clears throat> yeah, it's everything. It's going to be basically treasure hunting stuff, uh, starting off with... I'm going to be talking first about Oak Island, which you may may or may not have heard of, but there is a fairly successful History Network television show about it called The Curse of Oak Island, but I think that cheapens the whole thing, so I've relegated that to the very end about two things. So. Well, you've also relegated it to the beginning now. <clears throat> okay, I might as well get started then, eh, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> so Oak Island is a very, very small island in Nova Scotia. It's 140 acres. And it was formerly inhabited by the Mi'kmaq Indians, which I only bring up because Jared and I did a research project on the Mi'kmaq in our linguistics class. The Mi'kmaq Paddywhack uh, is the full, <laughs> is the full <laughs> name of the tribe. You're lying. Uh, yeah, I am. The <laughs> Oak Island was pretty much inhabited exclusively by them until 1761 
when the first settlers from Massachusetts arrived. And there's a legend that's been kicking around since, I guess, 1701, because that is when Captain Kidd, a, uh, I guess, I don't know if he was a privateer or you know some sort of sea child. captain. <laughs> some sort of seafaring child um, died in 1701, and he was alleged to have left a treasure totaling two million pounds in a chest buried on Oak Island. Must That's have been a big chest. Heavy. But the legend yeah. <laughs> has kind of taken on its own life, and it ranges the the you know the range of potential treasures extends from basically your standard run-of-the-mill pirate treasure doubloons and such all the way to possibly uh, the holy grail or the ark <laughs> of the covenant placed there by the knights templar and hey you may laugh but just wait till we get to the end of this thing hey I... um <clears throat> now there is one very interesting thing that i read the legend and this has been part of the legend for since since like the uh, middle early 19th century but the legend says that seven men will die before the treasure is found. And so far, trying to get to this treasure, six men have died. Ooh. So we are getting real close. Nobody nice. wants to go next. Yeah, exactly. That's, I'm going to keep postponing my trip me. until I hear the news. Because the very next person to die, the treasure getting found right after that. That sucks. If uh, yeah. if my story has anything to say about it, people are... people. Don't hesitate to to fucking die trying to find <laughs> shit. <laughs> this does not seem to be a determining factor. So, like I said, the Captain Kidd fella died in 1701, but nobody really. Fella. I think it was just what's up. I just laughed that you called him a fella. <clears throat> Carrying yes. on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but yeah, I guess it was just kind of local legend until 1795 when a gentleman named Daniel McGinnis was tromping around Oak Island looking for somewhere to set up his farm. And he notices a depression in the ground that you know kind of made him think of the story. And so he grabbed two friends, John Smith, pretty boring name, and Anthony Vaughn. And they start digging. And they... Two feet, you know, they're digging two feet. They immediately hit a layer of flat stones. It's like a complete layer. So already they're thinking, okay, well, this there's probably a treasure under here. So they continued to dig for 25 feet, and they found oak platforms, like layers made out of oak logs every 10 feet. But once they reached 25 feet, they started to get a little nervous and just gave up out of quote superstitious dread and that is where it stayed until seven years later when a gentleman Simeon Lines hears the story of the pit from John Smith one of the three and does what they couldn't do and secure financial backing <clears throat> and with that money he forms the Onslow company and they begin excavation at 30 feet just five feet below where they stopped they found a third platform so, you know, it's still going. And they continued to dig and found some sort of marker every 10 feet. It wasn't always oak logs. Sometimes it was a layer of charcoal or just like clay. But it was every 10 feet. Now, allegedly, 
somewhere during this dig, they found a stone covered in strange carvings. And it's only been described, this obviously predates like why, where you just bring a camera with you and, you know, take a photo of the damn thing. But it's described as having a bunch of strange etchings and lines and numbers. But um, the Canadian government commissioned a treasure hunter. We'd love to have that job. Commissioned a treasure hunter to find it. And he found it. It was a man who had worked on the excavation, built it into his chimney. He used it as one of the stones in his chimney. That is incredible. And the treasure hunter said, yeah, I saw it. Carvings are on there. It was clearly made with like a rough tool, not a sharp tool, but it is there. But then the guy um, moved his fireplace and built a staircase wrapping around the old chimney. So it is now nowhere to be seen. Nobody really knows where it is. <laughs> Great. Greg just tipped his chair a little too far backwards. Well, I've been leaning on the mattress, <laughs> and then just decided to kind of collapse. Yeah, a bit. classic. So, so and, you know, and they keep digging at ninety-three feet. Uh, the dirt starts to just change consistency, and it's like soft mud. And uh, so they decide to wrap it up for the day. But before they leave, they have a crowbar, and they decide to probe around in the water. And they realize they're the you know like the muddy water. And they realize that there is a hard surface at the very at the bottom, right where they are, and it, it, it spans the entire size of the the like shaft they have. So they're thinking, well, this is it. We found it, and they decide to go to bed and rest easy, and they'll, you know, become richer than God tomorrow. So the next day, they set out to the shaft, and lo and behold, it is completely flooded with sixty feet of water. And any attempt they they made to bail water out, water just replaced it. So they kept trying to, like, scoop it out, but, you know, it was being fed from the bottom. They next attempted, like, a sec... Hmm. I said it. I said the L word. They attempted a second <laughs> tunnel to get all the way down and then dig, like, la <clears throat> dig laterally. But that also flooded once they got pretty close to the uh, the main shaft. And so they gave up. And we, I mean, it is really the number of times this has been attempted. I'm, I'm going to speed through this, but. That timing is horrible, though. The 60 feet of water? Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, that's a huge event for it to happen just as you were about to enter. Sure, yeah. I'm surprised that that didn't happen before. 94 feet. Can you imagine being at the bottom of a 94-foot deep hole? <laughs> that's so it's, deep. It yeah, starts really raining. <laughs> Um, well, you know, and it's like it started to turn to mud, so they must have like reached a point where the water leached in, and then they they took that as a sign to like, oh, it's getting muddy, let's give up for the day, not realizing that, you know, they if they had continued, hand. they would be underwater, they would have died. <laughs> yeah, but a hell of a lot richer. Well, they would have accelerated <laughs> the seven death timeline, so maybe we should be hoping they, you know, had <laughs> died. Well, let's hear some of these other dig attempts, Kane. Sorry. <laughs> that was 1802. Uh, 1849. Another company called the Truro, T-R-U-R-O, company takes over. They made pretty similar attempts to the Onslow company, just digging other like tunnels nearby to try to get down and over, but they all flooded. But they did have one huge success in this, and that was that 
one of the people digging noticed that the water was salty and changed with the tides. Ooh. Mm. So they realized that uh, there was tunnels from the ocean and that this may be a trap that was left to prevent people from getting to the treasure. And that ended up being correct. They discover about 500 yards away a place called Smith's Cove. They realize that it is actually an artificial beach and the original clay was removed and replaced with rounded, large beach stones atop a layer of eel grass, which was on top of a layer of coconut fibers. And That's a huge was a, trap. Yeah, underneath that was a set of box drains, which I'm guessing means drains inside of boxes. I don't, I don't yeah. yeah. So and wait. that was... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. What's up? The tunnels that they were initially trying to get into were traps or just the whole the, the whole yeah, like thing the main, was trapped? The main shaft had a trap that ended up flooding it and like as a result all of the tunnels that they dug into to try to get down there also hit the like the flood plain or whatever Sweet. it was. So yeah, they found a system of like tunnels coming from the... This is confusing because I'm using tunnels in a horizontal sense and vertical. So I'll, I'll stick to shafts for the vertical and tunnels for horizontal. They notice tunnels going from those box drains all the way, like somewhere beyond towards the shaft. And it turns out the eelgrass and the coconut fibers were used to block sediment from getting into the tunnels so the trap would stay working and not get clogged. And they tried to wall off the cove to stop the tides from getting in, but that didn't work. And they tried to reroute the drain tunnels, which also failed. So the expedition was given up uh, two years later, in 1851, when they ran out of money. That's awesome, man. Like, a hundred years ago, right? Like, not ago, but I mean beforehand. Like, out landscape, or not landscape, but like, geographical engineered yeah. Somebody no, from 100 years in the excavated. future. Like, well, and it's already this deep, so what kind of team buried this stuff, you know? Yeah. They're probably. still down there. Yeah. Well, mole people. Did you get to that? Because I, I, I heard a story about who actually did it. Oh, no. See, I don't have I don't know much about that, so at the end we'll uh, maybe... Or, or would that, like... Do you think it would just be fine now to cover that? So... Or, what I was told, I don't know how much you have left, but what I was told is that there are, like, two different things with that one. Now, one, that it was either the Knights Templar. Wait, and you already said that? Yeah. yeah. And I'll get more into that at the end, but... Okay, that's what I was talking about. Okay, yeah, so okay. if that's... So, oh, I got a okay, so maybe... Yeah, maybe please cut that out so I don't sound too dumb. <laughs> oh, no, it, well, you might have more to add because I just have one. Okay, then I'll wait till one you thing. talk about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, shortly after that, I think just a couple of years after, a group called the Oak Island Association, they have the bright idea to use a steam engine to pump the water out. And that didn't really work. In fact, the boiler exploded and gave us the first curse death. Killed one of the workers. Yeah! Now, another monumental failure of the Oak Island Association is... They in their once they started pumping water out to the tunnel, sorry, the shaft became <laughs> unstable 
and collapsed and buried the treasure even further down. Oh, so like the water was put putting like outward pressure on the yeah the water walls, became structural I mean, shaft for the shaft. Walls. Yeah, and once they drained it, it hell yeah, uh, the whole thing kind of caved in. Pirates three, everybody else zero. And it is so it is now. There's a slew of it says major attempts were made in 1866, 1893, 1909, 1931, and 1936, but none of them were successful at diverting the water. And also at this point, there were so many excavations that no one was exactly sure which was the original shaft, since, especially since that one had collapsed. Oh, man. So nobody wow. really knew exactly where it was. Yeah, Yo, they really messed that up. How sure are people that there is actually something down there? Well, there, so um, there is a little bit. In the 70s, a group found um, they used a drill and... They did find. Uh, well, no, you know what? I, I'll just cover it when I when I get to it. But they do oh, okay, find yeah. some things. Okay, cool. Um, nineteen fifty nine is when the modern attempts really come back into it. And that's a gentleman named Robert Restel, and he's a former daredevil motorcyclist. He <laughs> Hell yeah, to, brother! Yeah, he decides <laughs> to take up the challenge with his eighteen year old son. Easily transferable skills. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically once one you to one. do something dope. <laughs> You can do anything like that. Uh, so they actually successfully sealed off Smith's Cove. Oh, and shit. They were able to dig 27 feet down when his son comes back and sees his dad face down in the mud at the bottom of the 27-foot shaft. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, Now, hey. wait. Good this bad. is this is bad. Um, so his son goes down to help, and oh, no. also collapses. Oh. Now Restel's partner Cal Grisesser, and two of the workers they hired, Cyril Hiltz and Andy Demont, all three of them go down there, and they all collapse once they get <laughs> yeah. to the bottom. They're just they trying like to pass. Gas. Gas. Take a wild stab in the dark here and guess there's something methane related or something. Yeah, like carbon monoxide. Okay, say. there we go. Uh, so. Okay. There is a uh, a gentleman who was visiting named Edward White. He happened to be a fireman from Buffalo, New York, hey. and he's like he's thinking it's carbon monoxide. So now his his attempt is interesting because he's thinking it's carbon monoxide. So what he does is he goes down, but with a rope tied around him, which like I guess you could then retrieve his body easily, but that doesn't do anything to stop the carbon monoxide. I mean, you I can guess he's sur- just going like, to hold his breath. Yeah, but um, well. You can pass out and then get pulled up and probably. Make well, yeah, but it. can't you only be passed out for a pretty short amount of time before serious brain damage? Yeah, I guess probably. maybe there were other people there, and it, it wasn't like a. He could have just been pulled up really quickly, but uh, so he he is only able to rescue Andy Demont. So the kid. One day, four more people died. So that brings us to five. Oh yeah, one more. <laughs> in 1965 Robert Dunfield uh, uses the first like modern <laughs> attempt here he is, attempts to make an basically an open pit mine so he goes where he thinks the shaft is and digs a 140 foot deep hole that is 100 feet in diameter with a 70 ton digging crane Jesus and he does find porcelain dishware but nothing much else 
and he is eventually held back by a season of particularly heavy rain, runs out of funding. You've heard that one before, and stops. <laughs> it's like the uh, the Centralia fire. Yeah. They just tried so yeah, many times I was and always say. ran out of money. Now, the other t- this is the other treasure uh, in, the, in 1970. Quick question. Tr- yeah. Similar to the tr- Centralia, have they tried setting it on fire? <laughs> I've heard that works. Um, in, they got. They say you got to fight fire with fire, right? Hey. In Triton, the uh, whew, huh. in 1970, people, a group of people who had interest or had previously made attempts, including the guy I just mentioned, Robert Dunfield, they get together and form what's called the Triton Alliance. Oh man, bad. And they name. they are using <laughs> drills. And this one of the things the drill does turn up is a gold chain. That's All that right. is the only other piece of um, confirmed treasure until the thing I have at the very end. Oh, I was gonna say because I think at least I, they're I getting think, somewhere. I think though. The show, the show, they've actually found a few things. One of which was particularly interesting. Smart move using a show to get some revenue out of this whole thing, so they can continue the, yeah. the search. You know, it's a good idea. Well, I got to imagine oh. they were continuing the search before the show aired to bring in revenue. <laughs> oh my god so, that'd be tragic right so they're using drills and they they do in the, in their drilling they find that gold chain but they also excavate a 235 foot shaft that they call borehole 10x <laughs> and it is all the way down to the bedrock same naming convention that elon musk used for his son <laughs> 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 they, they lowered a camera down the shaft and they claim that they saw treasure chests and a severed human hand. But the footage is pretty pretty grainy and apparently remains unverified. There wasn't, I didn't see any screen grabs, but the claims are dubious. And from that point forward, due to kind of legal battles between the landowners on the island, not much else was done until uh, The Curse of Oak Island, the History Channel show, which, yeah, started in 2005, and... Oh. <laughs> I like how you get concerned. I thought he was not. Again. <laughs> no, it's okay. Why don't you tell? Well, I, I I'll cut it out. But why don't you say what just happened, Greg? Oh, I will remove. I promise. I'll remove from the episode and <laughs> say what happened. Kane uh, thought he heard knocking on the door, but it was actually just me farting against a hard chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely got to stay in. No, just you can cut I, it I out. Really, but just, I don't just, care either way. Just cut to us randomly <laughs> laughing. <laughs> um, Better yet, just cut out everything else and just put up <laughs> farting on a hard chair. <laughs> farting on a hard chair. That just, sounds like a good intro. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, just replace add it Dan's, to the intro. Replace Dan's no, not kind of podcast with farting on a hard chair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we got to get a string of phrases going for our intro. There we go. Yeah. Uh, shit, dude. Oh, right. Dubious. Show. Yeah, I might just... The show. You can start from <laughs> yeah. the dubious Pain the show. Um, 2005, Curse of Oak Island, History Channel. Now, and this is what I said I was giggling about. The uh, the Lagina brothers purchase the, uh, 50% of the island. They're able to secure 50% of the island, and they struck up a deal with the other landowners and the Canadian government. 
and the land it's some special designation from the like Department of Interior equivalent in Canada to it was a treasure hunting designation like there's you can freely treasure hunt on Oak Island basically without worrying about like mineral rights stuff like that but what I love is the Lagina brothers their names are Rick and Marty (laughs) (laughs) no way yeah unreal Turn freaking Oak Island into a pickle. You believe it? <laughs> Damn it. And, and so... Debba Lubba Lub Bloons. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That's your intro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think they have found various knickknacks here and there, but in the sixth and I think most recent season of the show, they found buried a... Knights Templar cross made of lead. Hell yeah. This yeah. is the this is the video I was playing right at the beginning where I, I was trying to figure out what how they got to that point, but they talked to a materials engineer and then some German scientist, and I guess what those two deduced was that A the type of lead is similar or verifiably from like a mine in Germany. So they know they know that it is not North American uh, lead. And also they dated it to the 15th century. Jesus. So there is something from 14th century Europe buried in that pit. So I think that it, like there's got to be something down there, right? At least something. Yeah. Found a knights, there's got to be a knights more Templar cross yeah. from Germany. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, there's got to be something. What's this kid's name again? Captain Kid? Yeah. So, like, where where did he grow up? Well, he, you know he's not actually a kid, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Let's make that very clear. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Captain Kid. I like that there's an interpretive center on the island. <laughs> How does that Free entry museum. This actually looks quite nice. <laughs> William Kidd was a Scottish sailor who was tried and executed for piracy. All right. Man, should he use the VPN? Any other question while he's... uh, I mean, I think that just lessens the impact of the 14th century lead Templar cross. Fair. You think he could have... Well, yeah, but... I guess there you there is something down there though. Oh so, yeah, you, for you sure. I mean, yeah. like the gold chain, the porcelain, the Templar cross. Like I'm convinced. Yeah, those, yeah. those don't like porcelain plates do not occur in nature. So yeah, have to be put there. Uh, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> now is he the guy that like owns the land, or I Who? was told that there's a story relating to this where. Someone owns the land, and uh, there, like he kind of put the curse out there. Interesting. Some like old rickety like dude. Like some no, like some Haitian man, like talking some like voodoo magic. Oh my god! Wait, you're saying he, he actually cursed the land? Not that the curse is real, but like he proclaimed. He the actually curse. because he was a slave and got his freedom, and bought the land, and then now it's being obviously like pillaged by these giant companies with money and stuff like that so he cursed the land and now that's why people are dying 
I was told that once. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> not my <laughs> field of expertise, Haitian voodoo magic, but Paul, turn I your have camera seen the Stephen King movie Thinner. <laughs> Why? So you can't see me? Yeah, what the fuck, Dan? We can finally see it. <laughs> I've been silhouetted forever. That's oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's that's hmm. uh, that's Oak Island as far as I see it. I mean, that Templar Cross, though. Let's see where that goes. Yeah, man. That's I'm sure they'll get, they'll get there by the fifteenth season of the show. <laughs> Is the show still going yeah. on? I think so. What the now, hell? Do they talk about the Knights Templar anymore in the show? What's up? Do they talk about the Knights Templar more in the show? Oh, I'm sure, dude. That's the most exciting aspect of the whole mystery. I was going to say, because I've heard that too, is like the original people that buried it were the Knights Templar, that they were running away from pirates. But I kind of come back with like, if it's this like intricate of a, like a buried underground, there's no way they're trying to do that in a rush. This is a video titled, The Curse of Oak Island, Ancient Tunnel Unearthed, from the History Channel. Ancient. Ooh, you know what? I read the top comment, and I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Why? The tunnel is an ancient septic tank that the Knights Templar built, knowing that it would be needed to help store all the bullshit this show produces. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, go back. You got to credit that commenter. Uh, yeah, that is YouTube user James Coyne. <laughs> with a picture of his cat. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Fantastic. That's awesome. Thanks, James. Hope you're listening. Okay. I think that solves the mystery right there. Yeah. Is there like one listener in Nova Scotia? He's going to be fucking furious. You <laughs> <laughs> pronounced his name wrong. <laughs> okay, so where, where, who's who's next? Me, 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 me. All right, Dan. Yeah, mine's Ooh, nice yeah. and short. Should take us about two and a half minutes. So. Nice and short, or nice and short. Nice and short. So all one word. It's definitely not nice. Okay. Let's talk about the Confederacy. Yeah, that's not very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. For the third for the third <laughs> time, Greg tipped backwards on his chair. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why his audio just like quickly faded out? Yeah, yeah, that's why I was like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I left the mic and like my mic is like stabilized where like I, my hand can't move. So like if I start falling backwards, the mic is just gonna get further and further away from my face. <laughs> I've trained him well till your arm detaches. <laughs> After publicly shaming him in the episode notes two episodes ago. <laughs> yes. What did you write again? I forget. Oh, I said Greg couldn't figure out how to hold a microphone, so his audio is a little weird in this one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh- Sometimes public shaming has good results. Yeah. Speaking of that, Paul, you got to get your mouse clicking under control, bud. <laughs> Is it loud? Was mouse. that me the last one? In the last one, yeah, that was that was your mouse. And I, oh, I, I silenced most of them. So <laughs> I, I noticed know that and I was but... like, why is that going on? And I didn't realize it was a mouse until you said it. Let him have it, Paul. Click <sighs> frenzy. Uh, it might have just been the way I normalized the audio. I'm going to play around with it this time. I got a little more time. It was well, pretty rushed since I was a couple days late last time. Hear that? Discord might not be picking it up, but... <laughs> now your audio it is riddled with it. Dang. I guess I'll have to use the key, uh, like the actual pad. All right, so... <laughs> or just use your Xbox Connect to browse the internet. <laughs> the hell does that mean? <laughs> 
Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said Google search. All right, Dan, what do you got? Take us to the land of Dixie. <laughs> For all Dixie you How I Met Your Mother fans out there, I'm going to tell you a story about Mosby's treasure. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no way. John S. Mosby was a colonel for the Confederate Army, lowercase, in the Civil War. Known Army as, is lowercase? What? No, Confederate. Continue. <laughs> Known as the Grey Ghost for his quick attack style, Mosby led a group known as Mosby's Raiders. Mosby's Raiders also had an uncanny ability to elude Union troops by blending in with the locals. So what you need to know about the Mosby's Raiders is that they were pretty much constantly behind enemy lines. And by enemy lines, I mean Union lines. So on March 8th, 1963, Mosby's Raiders rode into uh, Fairfax County Courthouse and they captured Union General Edwin H. Stoughton. Now, along with the general, Mosby took possession of 42 other prisoners, several horses, and an estimated $350,000 in jewelry, ornate candlesticks, gold and silver, and priceless family heirlooms. Now, in today's dollars... What, what year, what- what? Sorry, don't mean to interrupt, but, well, I, I do mean to interrupt. Uh, so, how, uh, this was what year? You said 1863? Correct. And so, you said it was $350,000 worth of stuff? Yeah, you want to take a shot at how much that is today? I was just going to look up an inflation calculator. I'm curious, but yeah. continue. I think it's about $4 million. Okay. So, so, so he captured... Yeah, money. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or, well, jewelry and gold and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, just in, like, objects, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, so he captures this courthouse, right? He has this general and 42 other troops uh, imprisoned. And the idea was, the thought was at the time that the Union troops had probably stolen these things from Confederate families. So some people theorize that Mosby took the stuff back with the goal of returning it to said confederate families um not sure how much i buy that but uh so so here's what happens mosby's mission now was to escort the prisoners in and horses through union territory back across the confederate line now to give you an idea of where we're talking about we're fairfax county is in virginia if you guys don't know right um it's like six it, it's a county that like extends out from Washington, D.C. So it's okay. the county at this time was probably like half behind Confederate lines and half behind Union lines. That is a tricky political situation. Yeah, no doubt. In that county. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Also, by the way, 3.6 million or 7.3 million. Oh, oh Jesus. Wow. Oh, shit. Yeah. My main man, Moe's. Yeah, tough to decide how to vote in the city council. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so for those of you, uh, for those uh, Virginia listeners out there, we're talking somewhere along the route that runs parallel to today's U.S. 522. 
Mosby's Raiders ran into Union troops. Now, remember, these guys are quick on their feet. They can blend in and easily slip past Union troops. But Mosby, he didn't want to take a risk. So he instructed his most trusted sergeant to bury the treasure between two pine trees. And then what he did is he marked these pine trees with his knife. I don't know what symbol he put on them. doesn't say anywhere that I could find. But uh, yeah. he hoped that, you know, he would recognize it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And another and thing I couldn't find is, like, how <laughs> so far can... apart these pine trees were. So, um, so time passes. The raiders were able to get past the enemy troops without incident as they crossed the Confederate line. And then over a year later, 1864, um, September, I think, the war obviously is still going on. Um, oh, boy. Mosby sent seven... <laughs> seven... <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't... That's why I shouldn't write it in paragraph format. Yeah. <laughs> As Mo- if I didn't lose my wording like nine times during my... <laughs> I'm still giggling at you. <laughs> Uh, Mosby sent seven of his men to return for the treasure. Um, now, here's the thing that I find strange. Um, the treasure is still behind Union lines, uh, and he does not go for it himself or assume at this point the Confederacy is going to win and it would be safe territory. So he sends seven of his men behind Union lines to go get the treasure. Um, unfortunately, the men were caught by Union troops, and they were hung to death. Now, yeah. yeah. Taste their own medicine, I guess. <laughs> nice. Ooh. Nice. Once Mosby caught news of this, he apparently decided never to return for the treasure. Too bad, Too bad he didn't catch noose of this. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, now, how do we know about the treasure, you might ask? Well, apparently he mentioned it on his deathbed. He said he... Oh, sick way to do that. Oh, yeah, dude. For sure. And the, the, the troubling thing was that he, you know... Imagine you, being his kids. Yeah. Imagine... Im- <laughs> Deathbed confession. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if he was just trolling. Yeah. <laughs> that too. I mean, that's a real possibility. You kids kind of suck. I'm going to send you on a wild goose chase for yeah. a fake treasure. But, I mean, to me, that means, like... It, it makes me believe it more that it exists if he mentioned it on his deathbed like unless he's a true troll and you know a confederate general strikes me as kind of a gravely serious kind of kind of man colonel but yeah sorry colonel but you know still (laughs) no you don't have to apologize to him (laughs) he was a traitor imagine i don't imagine many like high-ranking people in the military during the civil war were affable fun-loving dudes (laughs) i mean i'm sure there's some exceptions to that but Yes, in the middle of war. Yeah, yeah, brother, a, a civil war. Yeah, yes. my grandpappy. So he mentioned it on his deathbed. He said that it was, you know, one of his greatest regrets, never having gone back to retrieve it. Um. So what I did here in my research was I found somebody who chronologued. Chronologued? Is that the correct that works. term? Yeah. Okay. Chronologized. <laughs> Chronologized. <laughs> Definitely not that one. Uh, who kept track of his um, search for the treasure in a very well-documented 
clearly like pro lost cause confederacy forum that I stumbled upon that is somehow still existent on the internet. Uh, so here's, here's the gist. Um, if you travel to this part of Virginia, uh, you're really looking at the town of Warrington. And you can actually ask around about the treasure because apparently like it's still well known enough that it's sort of local legend and like everybody sort of has their opinion or their theories about its location, whether it's found or not and stuff like that. So that's hilarious. But one main theory is that um, that this person found in asking around Warrington, he found that uh, a lot of people believe the treasure was is buried at the intersection of two um, state route roads, Route 29 and 211. Now, the unfortunate part of this is that Route 29 and Route 211 actually intersect at two different places on opposite mm. sides of the town. Okay. <laughs> so they like run into each other and then they sort of circle the town and then run into each other again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're searching for the treasure, you really have like twice the amount of ground to cover. Um, and so nobody's ever found it. Um, nobody's even ever found like pine trees with strange markings on them or anything like that. Um, but another thing that I found very peculiar is that out of all the research that I did nobody was even remotely suspicious at the fact that Mosby himself after the Civil War moved to Warrington uh-huh. and lived there for like seven or eight years and found his treasure but that begs the question why did he mention it on his deathbed? So like dementia. he's he either truly never <laughs> dementia. <laughs> he either yeah, truly never found it, or he pulled yeah, a fantastic forgot. prank. Yeah, we got that makes me believe the prank more. But why? Like you're about to die. Who the hell cares? Exactly. Who the hell cares? Yeah. What these other living That's people like are the doing. ultimate prank you could like even if he was just maybe he was just like really you know maybe came around at some point realized the confederate confederacy was the you know not the morally right choice and he uh he's just <laughs> Wait, a what? sad bitter man and wanted something he's a, he was a confederate right yeah i know I'm yeah just like i was saying like maybe he just like maybe lived to that lived to that guilt his whole life and he was like wanted to die happy so he's just like Stop! Uh, did this so he could stop thinking about it for a minute and laugh at himself <laughs> while he was dying. He's just trying to prank all the southern people to have that kind of bad ideology. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Or, uh, or he dug up his treasure, and then in its place he put he put a box back there, and then eventually somebody's going to find it inside the box. There's going to be a note that just said, "I gave I gave all the money to black people as reparations." <laughs> <Yeah>. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Some whatever Southern Pride kind of guy dug this up in his memories. Gonna be like, who's, who's been idolizing a Confederate colonel <laughs> all his life? <laughs> he yes, finds it just gets dunked on. Confederate by the flag long dead. Like L- multi generational dunking is my favorite thing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he stole back my grandpappy's silverware. I'm gonna finally reclaim my heritage. Son of a you bitch! You say grandpappy one more time. You're <laughs> off the pod. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Or alternately, you're on the pod just as much, but we won't call you anything but Grandpappy podcast history. Grandpappy. I would lean into that so hard. So so really, Dan, is this this is just like it's to, it's total legend, basically. There's no even evidence of it actually being real. Um Yeah, I thought we No, yeah, there's there's nothing that I could find yeah, in total. terms of like nothing from the general or any of the union soldiers that were captured or like it's, well there was i mean again it's from the same source but so like mosby like pretty much all um civil wartime officers kept a journal and um in the journal he mentions like he talks about this sergeant that he trusts he talks about um like the the move to capture the union soldiers at the courthouse he talks about like the stuff that they found he talks about returning it to confederate family you know southern families or whatever who who that was probably stolen from like so he documents it with a lot of detail so like if if this was truly a prank through and through he really played the long game <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> I was gonna say, did like no one search the areas that they thought it kind of was? Yeah, I mean, this guy, the two intersections, this this kid in like, I don't know what year it was, like early two thousands. No, way more recently, two thousand fifteen. This kid, this guy, is like logging his search for the treasure, and like he's got. He's got like these X's, these little marks on, you know, just like a Google Earth screenshot of like places that he's theorizing. And he goes to like each one of them and he just, he basically is trying to find like clusters of pine trees. Um, right. yeah, it's pretty vague instructions for where it is. So. Right. It's true. Right. Like it definitely, it was definitely hidden in a way that like only the people who, were there when it was buried really know where it is because like you'd have to find two specific trees with the markings and then dig somewhere in between them yeah but like greg what was it seven million dollars <laughs> 7.3 yeah <laughs> uh, i think that's kind of worth it though right oh hell yeah i mean you but, could spend if a you got people like trying to find it still get pretty good roi on that i was gonna say yeah. <laughs> like if you're trying if they're sending people to die in this giant shaft on Oak Island. I'm pretty sure looking <laughs> through the forest for some couple of trees is way less of a threat. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess uh, I guess you could say we could chalk this up to a little piece of civil lore. Fuck God. you. <laughs> Folks. Uh, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> Alright, this episode is now over. Well, we're already at like fifty two minutes of audio. I know, dude. We are <laughs> yeah, logging long it, man. But Greg says his is pretty short, so um, I guess we'll... Greg, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Greg, why don't you tell us what uh, you're here to proselytize about? Well, my story is about the, the Fen treasure. So first, I'm going to talk about the uh, the dude who... <laughs> what was first, that? I'm going to talk about the... Uh, <laughs> He's burping. Yeah. All right, let's Good start job. this over again. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to be talking today about the Fen treasure, which uh, is a, of course, a treasure that was placed by a man named by the name of Forrest Fen. 
So uh, for a little bit of background information on Forrest Fenn, he was a major in the Air Force, and he was a pilot. And uh, he served in, I believe, Vietnam. And uh, I personally would describe him as a certified brass balled badass. This <laughs> 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 dude flew, okay. flew 328 combat missions in 365 days. What the hell? Like, wow. Just absolutely insane. And he won, he, he was awarded the Silver Star, which is an award for valor in combat and gallantry in action. It's the third highest personal decoration in the U.S. Armed Forces, mm. according to Wikipedia. Anyway, so once Sounds he was done in the right. mil- <laughs> once he was done in the military, he retired, and uh, this man is very much an art and a relic eccentric. So he uh, he joined forces with a man named by the name of Rex Aerosmith, which is a shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. <laughs> He's a shut the fuck up. Bomb that is names. a badass name. <laughs> Send to Ryan immediately. Add it yeah. to the so, list. Forrest Fenn and Rex Aerosmith. Yeah. <laughs> Holy awesome. <Woo>! <laughs> <laughs> sound like uh, this sound like made up names in some sort of like like they're supposed to be American characters in an anime. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Guy uh, sensei. Well, <laughs> well anyway, they, they open a gallery together, the Aerosmith Fenn Gallery. So very creatively named. Uh, this uh this Went pretty successfully for him. I believe it was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, because um, that's where uh, Fenn spent most of the rest of his life after the military. Santa Fenn. <laughs> Lame. Folks, we are on fire. <laughs> <laughs> He's heating up. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I think at some point this uh, Rex Aerosmith character uh, kind of exited the picture um, and it eventually just became the Fenn Galleries. And uh, Fenn's wife, Peggy, was the new partner. Um, it was very successful, and uh, towards their the peak of their success, they were grossing close to six million dollars in sales a year. Just wow. in in like Pretty. turning over antiques. Yeah, antiques, art, etc. Just uh, do you mind if I jump in real quick? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just on the mind, since Dan was talking about the what wasn't your treasure like jewels and <clears throat> yeah, like household like household items worth a lot. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've already mentioned this on the on the pod, but I've read that um, like trading in art and stuff like that, fine jewelry is like how a lot of money laundering is done among the very wealthy. I've heard the same. Like Sotheby's will just buy, you know, if you just have a nice ass painting, doesn't matter how you got it, Sotheby's will be like, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Hey, we were talking about that whole scrolls thing with hobby lobby right i don't know if we talked about that on the pod at all or if that was post pod no that was that that ended up getting removed because you like interrupted me like way after and you're like hobby lobby is (laughs) something (laughs) i do remember that he gets so mad oh so do you mind just talking about that since that got snipped uh i mean i'd have to pull up the wikipedia article but um we could do it at the end yeah i was gonna say that's such a such a weird little (laughs) thing that happened not surprising once you learn about the family involved, but um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, back to Fen Aerosmith, etc. Um, so this gallery was pretty successful. He was a wealthy man, and then disaster struck. Of course, uh, not to the gallery, um, but to the very cells in Fen's body. He was told that he had <laughs> cancer in 1988. <laughs> God, that was so artistic. Uh, 
<laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and <laughs> while we're all laughing, I might mention that it was terminal. It was so you're at least. <laughs> <laughs> He was told it. Well, well, he was told it was terminal at least. Uh, so he was lied uh, then, to. No, uh, he's just he's just got really, really uh, doctors can make mistakes. Iron willed cells, I no, guess. So, uh, so anyway, brass balls. I'll, I'll get to that later. He, yes. he does. He does. Iron willed cells and brass balls. This man. Uh, so yeah, he's a very uh, he's a very Ferris man. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so yeah, he was, he wanted to kind of immortalize himself, uh, I mean, in some sort of fanciful treasure-related way, and what better way to do that than to bury some treasure, or at least hide some treasure. This one doesn't, isn't actually buried, is my understanding, I believe. It was just placed uh, at the base of a couple of trees, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so he, Fen intended to... Uh, also make the location of this treasure chest his final resting place. I don't know if that was to be him being buried or if him being his ashes spread or what, uh, but uh, he intended to be that to be his final resting place as well. So uh, he put together this whole treasure deal. Is it, it was unclear when he actually put this treasure out in the forest, um, at least from from my reading, but. Uh, while he did recover from cancer, he did place his treasure out in the woods. So um, the reason that this came really into the public eye uh, is uh, largely because of a book that he published, he self-published in 2010 called The Thrill of the Chase, a memoir. And the book is mostly just a collection of short stories from his life, um, but throughout the book, it kind of makes reference to the uh, to the treasure um, and it describes a treasure chest and the contents within, which so it's uh, like a literary include... treasure map. Yeah, precisely. Um, and the uh, the contents of the tre- treasure chest are revealed to contain gold, rare coins, gems, etc. Not to mention the treasure chest itself. Quite the uh, quite the piece. It's a uh, it's like a sheer piece. <laughs> I don't know where I. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll actually get to the box later. Well, I'll just read about it now. I don't know why I placed this so far in the uh, in the story. The box itself is uh, of the twelfth century vintage, <laughs> so it's pretty wild. Oh my this guy god! In like the like the you know twentieth or twenty first century putting this twelfth century box out in the woods. Uh, it was line uh, wood with a different type of wood lining it with a locking clasp. He described that it weighs about 22 pounds and was about 10 inches by 10 inches by 5 inches. And the top of the box features scenes and reliefs, uh, or with reliefs, so it's like a relief cut, uh, like a, I don't know how you would describe that, carving, I guess, uh, with uh, that depicts knights scaling walls on ladders with maidens above throwing flowers down upon them, which is apparently a reference to Roman de la Rose, which is a medieval French poem. So, very classy treasure. Much more classy than a <laughs> stupid Confederate hole in the ground. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the the value the value is estimated to be as high as two million dollars. Chunk change. I mean, at least mine. I didn't have to adjust for inflation. So, so um, one thing that like this Fen character sounds like you know all well and good, but one thing that Fen did have trouble with that was uh, some legal troubles. His old partner, so, uh, Rex Aerosmith. 
<laughs> back with a vengeance. Totally back to is claim not, what's mine. Which is totally not a fake name. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, the FBI actually raided his home in 2009. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, it was related to um, artifact looting uh, in the Four Corners area of the United States. Um, so there's several uh, like Native American sites around there, particularly like places that were like carved into cliffs and things like that, like uh, those kind of cultures. Um, and so he apparently owned the following chain mail from the Pecos National History Park, which I know to be in somewhere in northern New Mexico. I was looking at that today. Um, Did the, Na- the Native Americans had chain mail? I don't think that the chain mail belonged to the Native Americans. I believe it was just from the site because like Uh-oh. I know like the Spanish came through there at some point. Okay. So I'd imagine that was where that came from. Perhaps traded. I mm. didn't read too much into the that part of the story. But yeah, yeah I can't really I, that important, I but. find it very, very doubtful that there would be chain mail made by these uh, Native Americans, at least at this point in time, because I don't... They didn't really have metal. metallurgy down, right? No, I don't think so. Stone arrowheads and stuff? Certainly not in the middle of nowhere, uh, New Mexico. Yeah. Anyway, back to the story. So he also had human hair... Uh, I assume I assume that was from the Pecos National History Park as well. A I another thing I'm gonna Google right now so I don't sound stupid. Um, because I need to know that de- what the definition of this is. Okay, so he had a feather talisman. I didn't know what a talisman was. Is a an object that someone believes holds magical properties that provide particular power, energy, and specific benefits to the pres- to the possessor. Interesting. Okay. I love that Wikipedia is quoting the organization, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Really? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like something from Skyrim. That's, that's well, some pretty early occultism stuff. That's like Crowley stuff, Alistair right? Mr. Crowley was in that, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so, yeah, feathered, feathered talisman and a bison skull. So those are all the things. And uh, the, fed, the feds took some of those items, but he wasn't charged. But uh, this was like a kind of a widespread probe type deal. So uh, two of the other people involved in this investigation committed suicide. Oh, no. Was uh, it Rex My guess Smith? is I, it was unclear. Um, but what is clear is that Fenn definitely blamed the feds for their deaths. So, um, yeah, Fenn was pretty troubled later. In so the this day, is all I, like I while his treasure is already out there, right? Uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not. I don't think it was ever revealed, like when he when he put it out there. Because uh, he put out this book in 2010. He very well could have just hidden this treasure prior to that and was just busy putting together his memoir or whatever. And is he still alive? But, uh, good question. Yes, I believe so. Because he spoke about the person finding it. I know he he, met, he he was interviewed he in like 2009. Him. Oh yeah, no, that's right. Met. Yeah, no, he definitely definitely still alive. Because well, yeah. I'm not. I I don't want to spoil the surprise at the end, but uh. Yes, he's definitely still alive. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Paul uh, may have already. Yeah, done you're that. totally. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't put that together that audio for a second. Out. There. It's okay. You guys, you guys uh, know more yeah. about this, this story than I do, clearly. But anyway, so um, now we're gonna get to some of the fun stuff uh, after the suicides. Um, so he puts out this book right in 2010, or yeah, 2010, which uh, he did publish the year after the FBI raid. So. Um, Interesting there, but uh, so his book sparked a huge interest 
and uh, hunt for the treasure by many, many people. So I will say that since he put out this book in 2010, five people have died looking for this treasure. Two away. Which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, sevens. the crazy thing is that was over like, what, 200 years, Kane? Yeah. This was over 10. Yeah. Uh. That's pretty bad death rate. <laughs> Thank, uh, so the uh, I didn't put in too many details, but just in honor of their memory, the five people that perished looking for the treasure were Randy Bilyeu, Jeff Murphy, Pastor Paris Wallace, Eric Ashby, and Michael Wayne Sexton. So uh, many other people have gotten into legal trouble trying to find the treasure, not to mention countless people have needed uh, rescued by search and rescue teams. <laughs> but uh, some of the more notable, well, the two most notable examples of people that uh, that tried to find this treasure and got into legal trouble. One, a man by the name of David Christensen from Indiana had to be rescued after he repelled 850 feet down into the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. Which what? wouldn't be... Which, That's pretty weird. It's yeah, serendipity. Which would not be funny if not for the fact that Fenn specifically said in the book that no climbing was required. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And he climbed 850 feet. That's insane, man. That's a lot of rope. Well, and even then, he remained convinced that he was right even during sentencing. So I imagine he probably said that in court. Then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I'll have to climb for it. Definitely admits it, yeah. Well, that's the less crazy of the two stories I'm going to bring up. The second one is way, way more bananas. <laughs> a man by the name of Robert Miller from Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Uh, chose a very, a very funny place to go looking for this treasure. He, uh... He broke into Fenn's house. <laughs> Wait, what? His mind, yeah, like, he broke into lives. Fenn's house. Because he, he just, he's just like, I wonder if Fenn just has it at his house and he's fucking with us. And he went and he like looked at this guy's house and he saw a treasure chest in his house. He broke the fuck in and took the chest. And he got he got caught red, like red-handed. Yeah. And held, and <laughs> held at gunpoint till the police showed up. But awesome. Fenn. So. Yeah. Wait, so, but the, he he grabbed a treasure chest in his house, though. Yeah, yeah. He he grabbed the treasure chest and started leaving, and then somebody went and grabbed a gun and was like, "Hey." So that's just his other treasure chest. He's yeah. got just laying I around. Get, I mean, many. Yeah. I mean, this man was a collector. I so. got like a dozen of I these guess. things. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> my grandpappy gave it to me. <laughs> God, God, you son it. of a bitch! Can you only got two more? Yeah. Until <laughs> <laughs> I'm all fucked. Yeah. If I get kicked off, uh, yeah, <laughs> that changes the dynamic here. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go, there's la- two last section, sections here. Uh, so first one being media. So we've talked, uh, like, the uh, the Oak Island story uh, had a TV show about it. Um, Dan, your story clearly wasn't interesting enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. How I Met Your Mother was based off of Colonel Mosby's great-grandson, so fuck yourself. You're absolutely right it was. <laughs> <laughs> I I've never even seen more than half an episode of that. I was like, that's that's how it seems like yuppies trying to have sex. <laughs> well, I know that, but <laughs> uh, the this whole this whole treasure hunt was credited for the inspiration for uh, a novel called The Codex by Douglas Preston. The story was featured in an episode of Expedition Unknown, uh, where Fenn was interviewed, and the show followed some of the treasure seekers looking for it. Um, there was a documentary film in 2000, uh, filmed and released in 2017 called The Lure, 
uh, which is about the treasure, which was directed by Thomas Leach. And then there was a 20, 2018 episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved, <laughs> True Crime, that describes the treacherous treasure hunt of Forrest Fenn. Now to the most interesting section so far, the discovery. Oh, yeah. Discovery. So, yes, uh, this is actually the genesis for uh, for this podcast, uh, the Treasure Hunt podcast, uh, as... Forrest Fenn's treasure was found on June 6th of 2020, which, as of the recording of this episode, was precisely 20 days ago, uh, which, I mean, I'm not surprised that it took this long to find it, but I'm also kind of surprised that it was found this quickly. I thought you were Granted, about to this say was something one of the... about the responsiveness of this podcast. I was like, Greg, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is clearly clearly the most on, on-time on podcast we've done so far. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think the, guy the rest of the stuff has been things that only old uh, fogies would care about, but this is uh, <laughs> this is for the youngins. The Guidestones is probably the closest, right? Before this? Yeah. Yeah, man, I meant that like sarcastically, but you're right. Well, like There's Guidestones, Love Canal, and Centralia are all kind of around the 70s. Yeah. So yeah. doesn't matter. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. <laughs> well, um, so on June 6, 2020, Fenn posted on his blog his treasure blog, that uh, the treasure had been found. Here's a direct quote. It was under a canopy of stars in the lush forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains, and it had not moved from the spot where I hid it more than 10 years ago. I do not know the person who found it, but the poem in my book led him to the precise spot. I congratulate the thousands of people who participated in the search, and I hope that they will continue to be drawn by the promise of other discoveries. So the search is over. Look for look for more information and photos in the coming days. This uh, this post was confirmed via email by Fenn by uh, somebody who was thinking that that might have been a hoax. Somebody logging into his account and posting that, uh, and it was confirmed that the finder was a man from the eastern United States who'd sent Fenn a photo of the treasure, um, and the finder and the location of the treasure, uh, where it was the location where it was found, have never been revealed, which is pretty sweet. I will end my section here by reading the poem Ooh. that uh, Fenn put together as, like, this is, like, the main... There are, there are nine hints inside of this poem. How wonky would it be if one of us just figured it out after hearing it one time? Yeah. Oh, it's got to be, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so... Yeah. Paul's did like, you mention... it's the middle of the Air Force Base in Great Falls, Montana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but, like, you, did you mention right? that it's... It was most likely in Yellowstone National Park. I actually, well, lots of people. Because that's where that's where most of the people have died. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I I have not mentioned that. I I did know that many of the people were looking. I mean, that's why that dude was in the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, rappelling yeah. down eight hundred fifty feet. Um, but no, um, I I didn't dig super hard into the location of where it was yeah. found. Um, that's pretty matter of fact about everything but um i didn't dig too far into the theories behind that because like like i live about five hours away from yellowstone Mm -hmm. and um when the news came out there's actually a couple people that i didn't realize were super big like treasure hunters um they were talking about like they were like kind of (laughs) pissed that someone found it because they were looking for it oh yeah so I mean, there's a lot of people looking for this. Like, it's been a thing for a really long time. Like, I knew I knew about this even like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. That's Pretty awesome. Cool. Well, I'm gonna read the. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read the poem, and then uh, 
We'll move on to you, Paul. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, not far, but too far to walk. Put it in below the home of Brown. From there it's no place for the meek, the end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down, your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know, I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will, will all, or your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Oh, oh. yeah, that makes sense. I know where that is. Yeah. I was there the other day. <laughs> I so, was at the end of Waters Warm the other day. <laughs> I saw the blaze. But yeah, there's uh, nine clues in the poem. They're consecutive, so you're supposed to follow them in order. The poem is believed to give you a starting location, then step-by-step directions, getting from there to the chest of gold coins and priceless artifacts. There are nine sentences in the poem. Start at the beginning. Going in anyway. Yeah, I'm like I'm. I'm yeah, all the information see, like, you need to find the treasure is in the poem, according to Fen. I'm interested in to see like the Spark Notes version. Yeah, I, I just want to see like a Google Maps of where it was. Yeah. Well, it was never revealed, so. Well, hopefully it will be. Yeah, I was gonna say hopefully the either the guy who found it comes out with it or or Sven's like, yeah, here's where it was. I hope he doesn't like on his deathbed. Or Rex Aerosmith comes in and spoils it. Ooh, hell yeah! <laughs> Every time his name is, it's like Hugo Stieglitz in Inglorious Bastards. Uh, what a great movie! Gotta watch that again. Now, uh, so Greg, that's that's the end of your. That is the end. Yes. Okay, Paul. Before you start, I did. I looked at our list of episodes to see if there was something more contemporary. There isn't, but uh, this is interesting. The Diatlov Pass episode is exactly one second longer than the episode previous. Oh man. <laughs> What? What was the, the time? Antarctica one is one hour, one minute, and forty-eight seconds, and Dyatlov was one hour, one minute, and forty-nine seconds. Hell yeah! Weren't those back to back too? Yeah. Hell yeah! That's no coincidence. Yeah. Well, we definitely busted that open with this episode. Yeah. <clears throat> See, we're sitting at an hour nineteen right now. <laughs> we still got Paul to go. Let's see if we can get it longer than Jonestown. How long was Jonestown? Final release was one hour and 20 minutes. Oh, we're crushing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. we'll probably crush <laughs> we'll that. Probably. So. Yeah. so what you got, Paul? Okay, so I have The Secret. Okay. Um, so The Secret <laughs> is the title of a book. Um, and the writer of this book is, his name is Byron Price. So Byron Price is just a like a standard American writer publisher. He did a lot of like fantasy books. Um, I was never very big into fantasy books, but they all kind of seem pretty random. Um, 
it's not well known, but he teamed up with the man named John Palencar, who was an illustrator also for fantasy books. And they basically made uh, The Secret, which is a puzzle book with 12 different puzzles in it. Each puzzle has a pretty interesting picture um, along with a verse. And basically people have to use the picture and the verse uh, to find clues as to where um, 12 treasure boxes are. When did they do this? So this, it was published in 1982. Ooh. And it's still ongoing as of today. So there are 12 treasure boxes that are buried throughout the U.S. and Canada. And as of the end of 2019, so last year, three of the 12 boxes have been found. That's it? Yes, only, yeah, exactly, only three. So, um, and I'll kind of explain why that kind of becomes a problem moving forward. So the first one was found in 1983, so only a year after the book was published. <laughs> um, and it was found in Chicago by, um, I think it was just a group of students, um, out of a local college in Chicago. So that was where the first one was. And then the next one was in 2004 in <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. And then this last one in 2019 was Boston, Massachusetts. After that first one, they were probably like, oh man, this is not going to last as long as we'd hoped. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it's like, yes, yeah, nothing for another almost 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then almost another 50... I, 15 years until the next one but um there are i found this kind of it's a wiki for the secret and apparently there's a lot of people looking for these where they've kind of um like on this wiki and i think just publicly they've kind of all helped each other and they've narrowed down where each image is kind of referring to so some of the unsolved locations um it's San Francisco, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, Roanoke Island, North Carolina, which sounds mm. pretty interesting if you know about Roanoke. Um, uh, St. Augustine, Florida, New Orleans, Houston, Texas, uh, Montreal, Canada, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hey. Big shout out to the Call boys Callen. back home. <laughs> and uh, New York, obviously, because New York has happen. to be involved. But so I didn't hear any uh, Canadian city in there. Montreal. Montreal. Oh shit. Okay, that's basically the U.S. <laughs> Canada is France, basically dude, the what are you US. talking about? <laughs> yeah, been there. He's in. They get mad. They get really disdainful when you speak to him in English, unless you're like how in a tourist area. How far from the border is Ottawa? Um, good question. Not super far. Not too sure. Are, are I'm sure all of the most major Canadian cities like right on the U.S. border? Almost all of them. Calgary's. I'd pretty say far. within like right, maybe an I, hour I guess I wasn't or two. Think Calgary, but like Vancouver and Toronto. Yeah, Vancouver and Toronto are very close. I mean, I mean Toronto's not, not like right there. Montreal's a good drive because like I drove or we we drove up there from like Vermont. And that was a solid hour and a half or so from the border. Something oh, like um, I mean, but if you look in like relation to the rest of Canada, yeah, for I mean, sure, they're all yeah. they're all pretty close. Um, and I guess uh, Winnipeg is pretty far. 
something like 80 to 90 percent of Canada's population is with within 100 miles of the U.S. Canada border. Oh, yeah. yeah, actually, okay. Winnipeg is probably 75 or 80 miles north of the border. Um, Calgary is probably about 100 miles north of the border. Edmonton's pretty far up there, but that's not even that big of a Wipe town. Wipe that look off your face, Dan. God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate slug. it. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. Railroad. <laughs> okay, back to uh, back to the treasure hunting. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's 12, um, I guess now nine uh, treasures that are buried throughout the U.S. And um, I have to find it again. There were some kind of rules, some stipulations with, you know, kind of like how Forrest Fenn had, you know, like you should not need to climb for this. So uh, the rules, uh, the following places do not hold the treasure. Um, Any life-threatening locations like a highway embankment, uh, contaminated like areas. Um, It's not in any cemeteries. Not in any public or private flower beds, which I found funny that they just mentioned that. Why don't and you say flower beds? Right? They could only be I, public or private. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't write this stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. They're unclaimed flower beds. Unclaimed. No yeah, land. unclaimed yeah. land. Stateless um, flower any, beds. <laughs> any property owned by the contributors to the book. So their family and friends. So that way that was a good they don't have a forest so they won't have a forest fen situation of people breaking into their house. But um let's see. So what he buried was um they're basically these ceramic casks that encase that are encased in a plexiglass box and inside them they hold a key. So oh. th- these keys they open up uh, safe deposit boxes in a bank in New York. <laughs> Hell yeah! And within yes, and within each box contains one jewel. Wait, so, so you find you find one of these locations, and then you have to travel to New York to go to this bank. Yep. But um, is it like? Is it already? Do they know which lockbox it would be if they found the? Yes. So okay. like, I think it's just twelve lockboxes, and. Um, so far, they have found um, an emerald, an aquamarine, and I can't seem to find the third one. Probably just because it's so recent and they haven't actually come out with it. How much do you um, think those types say, of things are worth? It said like roughly $1,000 per, oh, but man. obviously... You spend you know, more than the game. <clears throat> About finding treasure, you would definitely spend a lot more finding it than you'd get. But and like then getting to New York, treasure. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too is like you know any normal like emerald is probably worth a certain amount based off just the market. But then to have the story behind like yes, this is the emerald from that's true. The secrets might not even sell it. Treasure hunt. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously bragging rights go with all this treasure hunting. But. Yeah, it would be it would be cool to just have like a big, like a gemstone sitting on like a velvet pillow, like a <laughs> you know, in like a loose. So someone, someone can steal stuff. it. Yeah, I would do it like, I would have like a big display case with, um, or no, 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 no. What I would have is like a big mirror, like a big picture wall 
of like pictures that I took along the way. And then just like in the middle of it all, I'd have this little tiny case with the jewel. Yeah. <laughs> I would try to like collect them all. <laughs> have it embedded in a ring. Just wear that around. Well, I'd hope they're like big. I hope they're like, you know, well, you they're can worth hold a thousand bucks. Hand. I don't know. A thousand bucks isn't that much for a doesn't jewel. get you a whole lot of. Like a thousand dollar diamond is like. Not big. Eh, big. But what, yeah. like, well, how it's all, were like emeralds, you know? Who knows? And man. like, don't they all base it off the actual like carrot? You yeah. Know, not the size, but more so the carrot. I thought the carrot was a measure of the size. The carrot is, is a measure of the weight. The weight? Okay. Oh, so hand in hand, I guess. Yeah. But it's got those so, super dense emeralds. Yeah. <laughs> um, what gets kind of tricky at this point. So in 2005, uh, Byron Price died in a car accident. Uh. And he was kind of the only guy that knew where we buried him. <laughs> so, like, he kind of mentioned it to his kids, you know, generally where they were and whatnot. And I think that's kind of where you get, like, they've kind of narrowed it down to what cities. But they, his kids don't know exactly where they are. And even the illustrator, um, all he knew was what uh, Price wanted in the... Uh, illustrations so kind of some of the clues and whatnot but he was never told of where actually they are um just again kind of generally where they are so you know kind of similar to the other stories minus forest fen it's like you know we may never be able to find them eventually um and that what happens to a lock box or a safety deposit box in a dead person's name Oh, well, I assume he probably passed it on to his kids. Yeah, but you have to, like, pay for those, don't you? Yeah, but if he hit, if he's got all those gems, you know, he was a, so he was a writer, editor, and publisher. Uh, so he's got money. Fair he's enough. The, he was the president of Price Visual Publications. Oh, yeah. He's and cool. later, iBooks Incorporated. So he's got some money to... <laughs> stash away for this hunt but times the yes. and then <laughs> exactly and then like you said um it was on the discovery channel on that one um what was the one forest fan was on thrill of the hunt or whatever or thrill of the chase there was that buzzfeed thing Shh. yeah no no definitely not buzzfeed <laughs> what was uh Expedition Unknown. Uh, Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Expedition Unknown. He was, uh, they were looking for some of them on, on that show as well. But, yep, only three of 12 so far. Damn. Yeah, and sorry, I was like, I was a little distracted for a second. I was looking up gemstone prices. And I think, I haven't gotten, uh, like a comparison, but, uh, I think we've been maybe misjudging how expensive gems are. Oh, boy. Really? I mean, this says that I looked up rubies, and it says fine quality rubies are some of the most expensive gemstones with record prices over $1 million per carat. Oh, boy. Good Lord. Whoa. And it did say that um, when I looked, I looked up sapphires first, or emeralds first, and it said it listed a price of $3,000 per carat. That's Dang. pretty mid. So are they, are they just like 
do we assume diamonds are the most expensive just because people talk about diamonds, but they're also maybe like a little more common than? Well, isn't that the same thing as like lobsters? Like, aren't diamonds are the same? Like, yeah, like we they're only expensive because we make them expensive. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're actually a lot more common than we think. Yeah. Interesting. Lobsters may be less common now than they were like when what you're thinking about in like Australia when it was a prison mm-hmm. colony and that was like all they ate, but it's I mean, definitely it's definitely like artificially expensive. Yeah. Lobster? Yeah. The weird thing about lobster is the way that like the populations have been moving cuz like lobster populations absolutely exploded and now they're starting to drop back off again. And it's it's oh, really right. weird. It has to do with like their spawning habits and things like that and the water temperatures in New England cuz like the the uh spawning grounds are like the water temperatures are changing so rapidly that things are getting all kinds of screwed up. Are lobsters the ones that are technically immortal? Uh, like they don't. They don't really die of old age. Yeah, I think that's true. What? Okay. There's something weird about them. There is uh, like I'd like to uh, lodge know, a totally complaint. Could... I'm I'm reading it up. <laughs> I'm reading on it right now. Contrary to popular belief, lobsters are not immortal. Lobsters grow by molting, which requires a lot of energy. The larger the shell, more energy required. Older lobsters are known to stop molting, which means the shell eventually become damaged, infected, and they'll fall apart or die. So basically, like, they just keep growing and growing and growing and growing until they die. Until so it's, it's like, like a redwood. They're like a redwood tree. They just reach the peak of what is possible physically. Physically, it's yeah. Pretty a much, redwood yeah. crustacean. Yeah, hell yeah. I can tell by Dan's hair that we've reached the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it evolves. He looks Side like note, a hag. This is the first time we reached to, gen- to prices of gems. It's the first time we reached uh, the this, hour and a half mark. This so. is a Forbes article about it's the soaring evolution. price of jade from 2010. It's apparently rich, young Chinese people have really dri- driven up the price of jade. The finest jade has increased tenfold from 2000 to 2010, up to $3,000 an ounce. It's more val- It was more valuable than gold as of 2010 when this article was written interestingly forbes put a little uh note at the top of the article it just says this article this article is more than nine years old say warn you that you're looking at outdated information that's cool that's not so hey it's nice to see some some freaking journalistic integrity huh yeah 10 years ago (laughs) yeah good point (laughs) this was a doozy man this was was a long episode i yawned like nine how do we wrap this one up what's the moral of the story um. Well, I guess there isn't a moral because it wasn't one story. Unlike the rest of them, I'd say the moral of the story is that if you want to live, treasure is sick as fuck. I was gonna always say, look for treasure. If you want to, always. <laughs> if you want to get arrested or die, looking for treasure is a pretty good, easy, good way to do that. If I ever uh, told you guys the acronym that I follow, ABL. Always no. be looking for treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good enough end for me. I'm going to hit stop on this record. <laughs> That's good. All right, yeah. cool, cool, cool. That's okay. Good point.